On today's episode of District Divided, your Washington football team is in. They won the NFC East last week against the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday night. I talk about the game some, and I also talk about the Philadelphia Eagles' decision to take Jalen Hurts out of the game in favor of Nate Sudfeld. Then get into the State of the Union, which is focused primarily on basketball and soccer, and then conclude with the preview of the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that includes my prediction and final pick. And that's going to do it, folks, so kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. It wasn't pretty, but mission accomplished. Your Washington football team are NFC East division champions in the 2020-2021 NFL season. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles last Sunday night by a score of 20-14. to And it wasn't pretty, as I had said earlier. It was slow. It was sloppy. Both teams were trying to give each other the victory. But thankfully, the best unit on our team, the defense, did not allow us to give that game away. They were great the whole time. The only hiccup was it was difficult to contain Jalen Hurts, but that is not an issue we will see in Tampa Bay. It's not like Tom Brady suddenly turning into a mobile quarterback. All we had to do was win the game, and we did. Once again, a score of 20-14. to 14. The offense started off perfectly. For the first time all season, opening drive points. They waited till week 17, but they finally got them in the form of a touchdown to Terry McLaurin. Beautiful throw from Alex Smith. And the drive in general was beautiful. Scott Turner, hats off to you for that opening drive. We had the reverse to Steven Sims. We had the Logan Thomas screen pass immediately after that. And we had a third and 10 Cam Sims slant screen that resulted in a first down to keep that drive alive. Excellently called, beautifully done, but the rest of the game on offense was slow and nerve-wracking, frankly. Alex Smith is not mobile, and we knew that, but not to this degree. He is clearly, clearly not 100%, and we'll see what happens. Ron Rivera has talked about rotating Taylor Heineke and Alex Smith for this Saturday's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but we'll get to that at the very end of the episode when we do the Tampa Bay preview. Mission accomplished once again. The main talking point was the Eagles' decision to bench Jalen Hurts entering the fourth quarter for Nate Sudfeld, former Washington quarterback. I personally, from an objective point of view, saw no problem with it. From a bias perspective, I loved it. Jalen Hurts, being a mobile quarterback, was giving us some issues. He had two touchdowns on the ground. He was 7-20 for 72 yards and a pick through the air. But what worried me was that we were not really containing him all that much. So from a bias perspective, 
I mean, I'm not sure we win that game if Jalen Hurts stays in. Our offense wasn't doing anything. They were trying to give the game away. But Doug Peterson, after the game, said, look, Nate Sudfeld's been here for years, and I wanted to see what he could do. Whether that's BS or not, I think it is fair to Nate Sudfeld that he does get an opportunity. That part of the rationale makes sense. But who cares if they were trying to win or not? They have now moved up from pick nine to pick six. That's going to land them either Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith. It's a quarterback's award these days, and he won it. Congrats to him. Or Jamar Chase from LSU. They are going to be getting a weapon for a decade plus and a proven one already at that sixth spot. So, and you talk to Eagles fans, they don't, they don't care that they lost that game. They don't care. It was the Giants fans. It was the media. Get over it. Some commentators were saying that they need to open up an investigation to see if they purposely threw it. Guess what? They probably did. Why is that your problem? It does not matter. You know what does matter? How good this defense is. Montez Sweat, awesome. Cole Holcomb, awesome. Kendall Fuller, awesome. Ronald Darby against his old team, awesome. Chase Young, oh my goodness. Before the season started, I did a number of draft episodes, and I was adamant that we should take Tua Tungavailoa out of Alabama. Adamant. I could not have been more wrong. I knew Chase Young was going to be a Pro Bowl caliber player. I think we all knew that. My argument was the quarterback position is what changes everything. But the level of leadership Chase Young shows is special. A rookie that is already the unquestioned leader and alpha of our defense. That I did not expect. That leadership. Guys, you cannot understate the value of that. I mean, that is so rare. And we have that. And we need to cherish it. And we need to protect it. He is the franchise player right now. Chase Young, so glad we took him. So glad we took him. And he called out Tom Brady. He wants Tom. I love it. Get ginned up. Get fired up. I love it. And we are going to be talking about Tom Brady and that offense after the State of the Union, which happens right now. We're going to go ahead and stick with the Washington football team. Congratulations to Brandon Scherf, who was named first team all pro right guard for this NFL season. Congratulations, Brandon. It's the first time since 1996 this franchise has had a player receive first team all pro honors, and that was punter Matt so nice to have someone on the offensive side of the ball and on the offensive line specifically win that award and from the field we go to the hardwood the washington wizards two and two this past week so let's begin with celebration we won a couple games 
because after that Chicago Bulls game on Thursday where they lost 133 to 130, people had genuine concerns we weren't going to win a game. Rui Hachimura did return for the Wizards in that game and started on fire with 10 points in the first quarter. He finished with 17. Russell Westbrook had another triple-double, his fourth straight, tying him with Oscar Robertson for the most triple-doubles to start a season all time. Bradley Beal and Thomas Bryant had 28 points each, but again, what was the point of putting up all those numbers if we were just going to keep losing? Well, the next day happened. We go to Minnesota and take on the Timberwolves, and it was a blowout. 130 to 109. We were up 35 points at one point in this game. Russell Westbrook was rested. Bradley Beal, 31 points in 28 minutes, and we cruised to that victory. So now we're thinking, was Russell Westbrook the problem? Because now we've won a game and Russ didn't play. Nope. Couldn't be further from the truth because we go to Brooklyn, home of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, the likes of which are unbelievable players. Unbelievable. Brooklyn Nets are favored to go to the NBA Finals, and we win. 123 to 122, an epic back and forth game all the way to the end. Russ in this one had 11 points entering the fourth quarter, 13 fourth quarter points. He was huge to close the game out. It was also his first game without a triple-double, finishing with 24 points and 10 assists. So who did all the rebounds go to? Well, that would be Thomas Bryant, who has emerged in this past week as a go-to player on offense. He had 21 points and 14 rebounds in this one, including the game-winning dunk. And again, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are on this team, and they both missed last-second shots to seal the deal for us. And then finally, the rematch against the Philadelphia 76ers in Philly. We end up falling 135 to 141. Could not play a lick of defense, but they couldn't play a lick of defense on Bradley Beal, who had 60 points. That tied Gilbert Arenas' franchise record, and he would have had 61, but he intentionally missed his last free throw of the game to try and get a rebound, try and make it two points or three more points instead. Bradley Beal is the crown jewel of this team, and I hope we find more success soon because I fear he'd want to leave. But there are going to be plenty of opportunities to turn this around. Russell Westbrook, of note, did dislocate his finger at the end of this game. The Wizards are now 2-6 on the season, which sees them in 13th place in the Eastern Conference out of 15. So again, we really want to turn this around. Up next for this team this week, four games before next Thursday's episode. One, tonight at the Boston Celtics at 7.30 p.m., Westbrook is questionable with that dislocated finger, and it completes a four-game road trip. Then we have a three-game homestand starting tomorrow against the Miami Heat at 7 p.m., then Monday against the Phoenix Suns at 7 p.m., and finally on Wednesday against the Utah Jazz at 7 p.m. All those games can be seen on NBC Sports Washington. From pro to college, the Maryland Terrapins had a very rough week. They went 0-3, an 84-73 loss to then number 16 Michigan last Thursday. They are now number 10 Michigan. Dante Scott led the way with 19 points in this one. And then a 63-55 loss to Indiana on Monday. Aaron Wiggins had 22 points and 10 rebounds. Very impressive considering only 55 points were scored by the team. Dante Scott, the usual leading scorer for the Terps, only had 7 points in this one. And then finally... An absolute beatdown by number five, Iowa. It was 89 to 67. 
The Terps had four different double-digit scorers in this game, led once again by Aaron Wiggins, who had 17 points. The Terps are now 6-7 and seven on the season and 1-5 and five in Big Ten Conference play. That is good for 12th place out of 14 teams right now. They gotta turn it around fast. But they can't do it that quickly because up next this week, they only have one game, and it's at number 12 Illinois on Sunday at 8 p.m. The game can be seen on the Big Ten Network. Illinois is currently second in the Big Ten. Now let's jump back into the nation's capital, the Georgetown Hoyas. No lead is safe for your Georgetown Hoyas. They are 0-2 this past week, and they blew both games. 64-60 loss to Marquette. They were up 16 points at halftime. Javon Blair, senior guard, led the team in scoring with 20 points. 63-55 loss to Butler was their next game. The exact score Maryland lost to Indiana by, little fun fact there. They went up 55-53 with 429 remaining on a Jamarco Pickett layup, and those would be the last points we would score all game. Butler finished the game on a 10-0 run. Once again, the final score there, 63-55. There's absolutely no need to watch the first half of any Georgetown game these days. Just turn it on in the second half. They'll have a lead, and you'll probably watch them blow it. Very unfortunate. Psychological issue, clearly. I hope the Hoyas can turn it around soon. They are now 3-7 and seven on the season and 1-5 and five in Big East play, putting them 10th in the conference out of 11. Up next this week, two games. A potential season changer versus longtime rival Syracuse tomorrow at 8 p.m. That game can be seen on ESPN2. And then DePaul on Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Guess what? DePaul is the only team below Georgetown in the Big East standings. They are the team in 11th place. So this is a golden opportunity for the Hoyas to win two games this week. That game can be seen on FS1. Let's jump one level deeper into the nation's capital. The capital was broken into on Wednesday in an effort to overthrow the 2020 election results. The election was certified the very next day, so it turned out to be pointless. But we go from sports to politics briefly because that was one of the most insane things I have ever seen. And now, from the nation's capital to the Washington capitals. There are so many capitals in this town. How many capitals are in this capital? The Washington Capitals season begins next week on Thursday against the Buffalo Sabres. A reminder that the Caps will be playing 56 games this season against seven specific opponents in their realigned division. And we conclude with soccer. Beginning with the women, the Washington Spirit had four players called up to the U.S. Women's National Team training camp, including the two new girls, Emily Sonnet and Kelly O'Hara. Aubrey Bledsoe, goalkeeper for the team, and Andy Sullivan, center midfielder, round out the call-ups. And it's great to see Andy Sullivan fully back in action. She had a very nasty injury, and she is finally back. The U.S. Women's National Team play Columbia on January 18th and January 22nd. So expect them all to play over the course of those two games. These two games, of course, are in preparation for the Olympics this summer. The NWSL Draft is next Wednesday. There are four total rounds, 40 total picks. The Washington Spirit have four picks, including the second overall pick in this draft. Their other picks are 19, 29, and 39 in the second, third, and fourth rounds, respectively. And on to the men, DC United. Paul Ariola was called up to the U.S. Men's National Team's training camp. And one new transaction, DC United traded a 2021 third-round pick for goalkeeper John Kempen. Bill Hamid, Chris Seitz, and now John Kempen are the three goalkeepers on the team. 
And that is going to conclude this week's State of the Union, including politics. And now to the preview of the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The NFL playoffs begin tomorrow on Saturday, January 9th, 2021. The third game of the day, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come to Landover, Maryland to take on your Washington football team at 8.15 p.m. on NBC. The commentators are going to be Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels, who I'm sure are still so, so upset that Jalen Hurts did not finish the game. Please, thoughts and prayers to Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels. But good news for them, they will get to see two teams at full strength the whole way this Saturday. Winner go home. Tom Brady, at this point everyone's goat, comes to town for a playoff game. How cool is that? A lot of us were convinced, I was convinced, that Tom Brady was going to retire a Patriot. But here we are. We have the opportunity to knock out Tom Brady in his first ever NFC playoff game. Could not have asked for anything more as a fan. This is exciting. All of us are excited about this, guaranteed. Again, Chase Young, he was saying, I want Tom. So do all of us. He speaks for all of us. And on defense, I can understand why they want Tom. Now, Tampa Bay has been explosive on offense. Four different games at 40 points. 44, 45, 46, 47 points scored respectively. They are amazing on offense. But, and many of you already know this, Tom Brady is not mobile. But more importantly, he struggles against good front fours. We happen to have not just a good front four, a great front four in the form of Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, all first round picks. You hear it over and over again on broadcasts. They can get to Brady and they're going to have to if we have any chance of winning this game, because on the other side of the ball, this is what scares people. Our offense. I want you to take a moment and think of a number of points we need in order to beat Tampa Bay. My number is about 24. Because I believe the defense can hold the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to less than 24 points. I really do. The Tampa Bay defense is really, really good this year. Don't get it twisted. I know we're talking a lot about the offense. Tom Brady grabs the headlines. So do his receivers. I mean, they're so talented. Chris Godwin. Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, but that defense is real. That defense is real. And I don't think Alex Smith can get to 24 points. Not if he's a lame duck in the pocket like he was last week, which is why Ron Rivera has mentioned, and I don't think it's any gamesmanship or anything like that, that Taylor Heineke could see some time tomorrow. Personally, I think it's a requirement that Taylor Heineke plays tomorrow if Alex Smith does not look any more mobile than he did last week. It is going to take guts. It is going to take creative play calling to score points on this Tampa Bay defense because they are also good at stopping the run. So it's not as simple as let's just give Antonio Gibson the ball and keep going. 
the Buccaneers more recently have been, I want to say, allowing around 80 to 85 yards on the ground per game. And on defense, they're starting to clamp down on the pass game. So it's going to be tough on that side of the ball. But that's where I want the focus. How do we break down that Bucks defense? It is going to require some running. It is going to require some quick passes. But it's also going to require a couple deep shots. And Ty- Taylor Heineke, excuse me, in that game against Carolina, yes, it was garbage time. Yes, it was too little too late. He threw a couple really nice deep balls. And he showed an ability to maneuver within the pocket that got us all excited. It even had some of us thinking, should he be playing over Alex Smith? And for some of you, the answer was yes. For me, the answer was no, because we are now 5-1 and one with Alex Smith as the starter. But after last week's game, it is a reasonable question. And if it were up to me, I'd start Alex Smith. And if I don't see an ability to escape the pocket, Taylor Heineke's finishing the game for me. And I think that's what's going to happen, guys. I really do. So on defense, I do think that front four is going to help us slow Tom Brady and that offense down. And on offense, I think we can win this game if, if Ron Rivera pulls Alex Smith the moment he sees that he is not mobile in the pocket. If Alex Smith is mobile in the pocket, I think we can win with just Alex Smith. But if he's not I think you have to go with Taylor Heineke. I think that's what's going to happen. And I think that Washington does have an outside chance to win this game. I'm going to say Tampa Bay 21, Washington 17. That's going to be my final score. Because I think I think Ron will pull Alex Smith, but I think it's going to be a little too late. That's what I think. Given how long it took him to pull Dwayne Haskins and given Alex Smith's journey to this point, I think he's going to give Alex Smith one too many chances and I think it's going to leave Taylor Heineke in too little, too late situation once again. So there you have it, folks. I'm saying Tampa Bay 21, Washington 17. I think it's going to be a close game for most of it. And that scoreline actually suggests it's going to be a close game for all of it. So it is a close game for the whole game. 21-17 Tampa Bay. And that is going to conclude your first District Divided episode in 2021. Thank you all so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please follow it on Twitter and Instagram at District Divided. And then there's a Facebook page and group both called District Divided. Please like and join respectively. One last thing. Shout out to my boy, Mernal Widge. Best friend, best next door neighbor I could have possibly asked for growing up. One of a kind. Guy's a living legend. Mernal Widge, happy birthday, son. Enjoy yourself. Love you. And love all of you for listening. Thank you once again. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the game tomorrow. And enjoy Polly Polo because he has the best outro in the game. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. I can go for broke, but the 